as we've been talking about identity, I've been pushing on you guys to, to stop worrying about doing something. And so many of us, as we, as we spend time with, with what it means to be a Christian, when I first began this series, I asked you guys, what, what does it mean? And you all went to, I, I, I do this. I go to church, or I give money, or I serve, or I'm kind. And you basically ran to what you do, and that's how you identified yourself. At the beginning of the series, we said, look, it's not, it's not what we do that identifies. It's what Christ has done for us that identifies us. It's established in him alone. And I think one of the things that we can tend to struggle with is as we make this turn into this week, I wanted to, we'll review in a second, but I want to go back to the very first verse we used um, two weeks ago. It was Romans 8, and we had done 14 through 17, but 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into, what's that word? Come on, guys. This is Remember, you're going to speak that. What is that word? You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into. That's right. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And before we get into this, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that a lot of us are carrying around fear. We're, we're afraid, and most of the time that fear is exactly like Alex wrote in that song. It's because we're, we're, we're hearing the voices of a reputation and not the voice of our God and our identity. And so what happens is we, because of fear, run from the very things that God's called us to. Because of fear, we, we, we struggle to believe that he is, is present or that he is with us. And so what we did is we began this series, and we'll be back in Matthew in a couple weeks, but we... We began this series with the idea of, okay, if we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, why is that so hard? Why do we struggle so much to do that? And so I told you that next week we're going to have a panel. I've got three other people that are way smarter than me. They're going to sit up here with me, and you guys have been putting questions in. And we're going to just do a discussion with them and you guys and talk this out. So if you have questions or thoughts or something that's been, you've been wrestling with you can't seem to answer, put that down on the communication card and hand that in, and we're going to address those um, next week. But the first week I basically said we are, we are a our identity is, is one of two things. We're either identified as a child of God, like Romans 8 tells us, or we're a sinner in need of God's grace. And I said, it's one of the two. We're, we're not, we're, there's no middle ground. We're, we're either a child of God or we're not. We're, we're, either, we're either moving in, inside of being what it means to be a child of God or we're not. And I put, held up these little mirrors. And I gave every one of you a little mirror and said, what do you see? And every single one of us, most of us, well, a few of you smart kids out there had the right answer, but most of us said, I see blue eyes or blonde hair or a father or a mother or a child or a, a spouse I see what I do. And every single one of us went to there. And I said, I pushed and he said, but if we were really honest, some of you see anxiety. Not good enough. Ugly. Depression. You start seeing all these things. I said, the problem with this view is this is not the view we were intended to see ourselves through. This is a reputation. This is a reputation. So when we look at this, we're going to identify ourselves by what others say of us. We're going to identify ourselves by our failures or our shortcomings, or, or even worse, we're going to identify ourselves by the good things we do and think that that's enough. And I said, ultimately, we have to exchange this mirror for the mirror that, is, that we're intended to see ourselves through, and that is the cross. And I said that this is the mirror that we are to see ourselves through. I challenge you guys to go home, and, and no one raised their hand really, but a couple of you, to draw a cross on your vanity at home and only look at yourselves through the cross. 
Now, I, understand, I understand big hairs back in, and so maybe you're worried. So make it a bigger cross, guys. Come on, just do it, okay? But either way, I said, I said you need to see yourselves this way. As an adopted child of God, deemed righteous and pure and perfect, not by anything you did, but what, what Jesus did on the cross. And said, so this is the view. This is the lens at which we look at. And that is how we are to see ourselves. And it's not just some event that happens one time in our lives. There is a moment of surrendering. We looked at Romans 10.9 and talked about Ezekiel 36. That we believe we enter into this covenant relationship. And we confess that. And Ezekiel tells us he instills in us a new heart of flesh and removes a heart of stone. Right? And so we said, if we're identified in that way, then we are deemed righteous by what Christ has done. And therefore, our identity is established. It is done. And nothing can shake that. And we just stop listening to the lies, even the lies that we see ourselves telling ourselves over and over again in the mirrors. Stop looking at the cross as an event, but something that we see ourselves through daily, hourly, every moment, every decision. And we talked about the second week on how the difficulty is, okay, we're adopted children of God, but we struggle to really believe that, that, that because we see all of our shortcomings and sin. I quoted Preston. He's one of the guys that will be up here last week. He said, God doesn't delight in our sin, but delights in us when we sin because we are children of God. See, the point is, is, is this, is that most of us, I asked you, I raised the question, I said, does God, does God delight in you in your sin? And every single one of us are kind of, uh, maybe, I don't know. And the problem is, is that if we hold on to sin, we, that's, that very sin that we're holding on to takes captive our identity. And the enemy can start whispering things in your ear, you're not good enough. Is, is God's grace really going to cover that again? Do you, really, do you really have any right to be in that building around those people doing this for God? When really, we know that ultimately where your heart is, and I talked about the value of us repenting and confessing. Confessing and repenting. We use the analogy of a lion walking around with us. and We teach it to pet. We, we put a call around it. We give it a pretty sequence collar and a leash, and we try and teach it to sit when all the while the lion is just waiting for the right moment or the wrong moment to bite an arm off. And that is sin that we carry around in our life. And instead of taking that sin and out and, and, and shooting it and turning towards God, we try and get it a bigger kennel or a better leash, teaching a new trick. And so the point is that we need to remove that stuff from us. God has already taken that from us at the cross, but we are going to continue to struggle in that. And if we don't let go of that, both confess vertically to God, which enables us to sin against each other, we then confess horizontally to one another. We seek forgiveness. And once that happens, we can repent. We, turn, we don't just turn from the sin. We don't just turn from the line. We turn and run to God. And if we don't deal with that, then what happens is we start believing these little mirrors again because we start seeing our shortcomings and our failures when that's not the lens that God sees us through. He sees us through the cross. My hope was that, that by the grace of God, the truth of Scripture, and the Spirit of God, that you would be established in that your identity is an adopted son or daughter of God and that you would live out of that. And this whole time I've been telling you, like, look, it's, it's not what you do. It's not what you do. It's not what you do. You've got to just rest on that first, because what we're going to talk about is what you do today. 
and my fear even of rushing into what you do is that most of us really start here. When it comes to following Christ, we're like, we're so excited. It's like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And we run 100 miles an hour that we forget what it even means to just be still with God. To be present in the fact that we are redeemed and righteous, not because of anything we do, but what he's done on the cross. And so what I, I push on you is as we get into this today and we go to, to what we're going to do or what we're intended to do out of that identity, if you don't have your identity established in child of God and you don't have the ability or the willingness to confess and repent from things, this is just going to get all convoluted and messy for you. And what will end up happening is you'll do stuff out of guilt or shame, which is not the way God works. Or you'll do stuff to try and do penance for what you did wrong. And that's not the point of this. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk today about what you do. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. We'll be back in Matthew in a couple weeks. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. This section here, Jesus, as you're turning there, um, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and sending the Holy Spirit and saying, look, I've got the Holy Spirit coming to you, and, and this is where it's going. And, and I like to picture this conversation that's happening as he's walking along. He's kind of walking, and he says in here in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do, anyone reading with me? Can do what? Do you say Something. Nothing. Okay, apart from me, you can do nothing. i just make sure we got that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That translates, just so you always know, nothing. Okay, I wanted to make sure you know that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so proved to be my disciples. And then he goes on from here and talking about the laws and the commandments and how we truly love Jesus, we will obey the commandments, and, and, and that by doing that, we show that we love him. And this is beautiful text that he goes into. There's a couple things I wanted to, to highlight in this. First off, um, Jesus says, I am the true vine. The reason why I like to think this is a picture is, is he's walking along. It's like he's walking at the temple and they see the golden vine that was always on the temple. And he points at the golden vine on the temple and says, look, that's just a building. I'm the true vine. Your, your, your relationship isn't some building or some, some institution or something. It's, it's, it's me. I'm the true one and only vine. And he's just kind of like pointing himself, look, it's not through the temple, it's through me. And then he uses the word prunes. And now prunes can, can generally mean a pretty difficult and harsh thing. If you've ever pruned a plant, it's, it's a cutting. It's a cutting back of what isn't supposed to be there. This prune word could also be um, translated to cleanse. To cleanse. And so, he, so it's, it's this pruning. So he says, look, and what I love about this when he says prune, he doesn't say he prunes the branches that aren't doing fruit. He says, no, I prune those that do bear fruit so they can bear more fruit. And then he goes on and he says, and he says in this, he says, takes away. Now, I, this is a really interesting thing because people kind of disagree on it, but takes away can translate lifts up. 
which in vine dressing, when you're working with grapes, there's a lot of times that what they'll do is they will lift vines up to get them more sunlight, and they'll clean them off so that they can produce more fruit. So it's this process of gently lifting them up out of the dirt, cleaning them off, and letting them see sunlight so that more fruit can come. It's a really, really beautiful description of fruit. Now, I brought myself a fruit tree. Now, is this an apple tree? Wait, wait, so I'm hearing yes and no. Now, let me just help some of you horticulturally challenge people. Do apple trees have pine needles? Okay. Are apples plastic? Okay, so is this an apple tree? But it's got apples on it. So how come it's not an apple tree if it has apples on it? This is the time you guys talk. They're not real apples, but it's got apples. It's not a real tree. It's not real apples. They're mutants, yeah. It's not an apple tree. Just so you know, those that said it's not, you were right. Those that said it is, I'm sorry, you were wrong. Um, It's a couple little, it's not even a tree. It's a couple little fake branches that they're already selling because it's Christmas time, apparently in October. But the, the, the point I make is, is that we can tell a tree by its fruit. Now let me ask you this question. Can an apple tree not bear apples? There's, there's seasons, right? That can happen. But can an orange tree bear apples? Okay, so, so just to be clear, an orange tree is not going to produce an apple. Okay. Just making sure you got that... that, that Clear it up here. How do we know that an apple tree is an apple tree? By the fruit it bears? Are we sure? Or is an apple tree just an apple tree? Well, because it's an apple tree. Because we just said an apple tree could not bear fruit, right? There are things and tricks in which you can do to keep apples from bearing fruit, apple trees from bearing fruit, but it's still an apple tree. No one's going to hang an apple tree for the Christmas tree. Right? You're going to use a pine tree. Because a pine tree is a pine tree. And it's a pine tree because that's what it is. That's how it goes. That's, that's its identity. Is it is an apple tree or a pine tree or an orange tree. It doesn't matter how many fake apples I close pin to a tree. It's never going to be an apple tree. And that's the point here. If you are a child of God... You are a child of God. You can't do a bunch of things and clothespin a bunch of things to yourself. I gave this. Ow. Sorry. <laughs> I gave this. <laughs> I gave this thing. I did. I gave money. I served. I did this thing. And therefore, I'm a believer. No, I'm a believer in Jesus because of who he is in me and what he did for me on the cross. I am identified by what I am rooted in. An apple tree is an apple tree because it's rooted in as an apple tree. The fruit may or may not come. It can come in a bunch or a little, good or bad, but ultimately it's an apple tree because it's an apple tree because God identified that one to bear apples. It's the same thing for us. We are children of God because we're children of God. If you've surrendered your life to Christ and the work of him, then you are a child of God. 
now there's a problem here. And Jesus is lining himself up. He says, I am the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches, and God's the vine dresser. And he says, if you are connected to me, the vine, you will bear fruit. We talked about this back in, in April in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is, is basically trying to help people discern what is a true prophet or not a false prophet. He's saying, look, you've got to be careful. You've got to understand what you're looking at. Some people are going to try and stray, send you away and send you in the wrong direction. And he uses this whole example of fruit. And he says, look, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. There's no in-between. You don't see a bunch of good trees producing really bad fruit. And he goes on, and he gives, he gives this example. He's like, look, even fruit can sometimes be on thistles and thorn brushes. So at a distance, you can look and go, oh, look, grapes. And as you get closer, you realize, no, that's, that's not grapes. That's, a, that's just a cheap imitation wannabe. And in the same chapter 7, he says there are diseased trees. And these are really hard to discern because they look like an apple tree on the surface. But as you get closer, you realize they've been clothespinned and they're fake and ultimately found out. And he said a bad tree and a diseased tree, they're meant to be cut down and burned. But a good tree is to bear good fruit. And so he goes back and forth on this and essentially, Jesus' point is that it's impossible for a, tr a tree to bear fruit which is contrary to its nature. It's impossible for a tree to bear fruit that is contrary to its nature. He's saying, he's saying look, character is sufficiently tested by its fruits. Character is, it is sufficiently tested by its fruits. However, character and reputation are not synonymous because character, because reputation is what men think of you, while character is what God knows you are. So the point is, is that you and I, those of us that are children of God, are going to bear fruit. Now what is fruit? Biblically, Galatians 5 tells us how the Spirit bears fruit for us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How are you doing on that fruit? Maybe we need to add a disclaimer. Hey, Brent, how are you doing on that fruit while you're moving your house? Oops. While you're driving a car. Usually when one of these is missing, it's a submission or surrender issue. See, if, here's the thing. If I'm established as a child of God, Jesus just told me that I will bear fruit. And for us, it's, it's, it's love and patience and peace and kindness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, 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 it's walking in step. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. He is, he is leading us. He's not some tool in our belt that we pull out every now and then hope he can make it work. It's we are walking in step with him, and he is leading us to do the things that bring glory to God. He's leading us to get into his scripture. He's leading us to, to spend time in prayer. He's leading us into community. He's, he's pushing into us on things that aren't of him. But as a, as a disciple, as a child of God, you will bear fruit. In fact, Jesus ends this whole section with, you're going to do this, and this brings glory to God, and you're going to prove that you're a disciple. Your life, the fruit that which you bear, will prove it. It's not that you do the fruit to prove this. It's that you are bearing fruit that shows you are a child of God. It's already sealed. He said it at the beginning. It's like, look, you're already, you're already clean by my word. You're already, you're already righteous. Fruit is an afterthought. It's, a, it's a, not an afterthought. It's a, it's a flow out of who you are. 
Now, there can be seasons of fruit. There are actually specific citrus fruits, usually oranges and others, that will grow year-round. They can, like, where there's a blossom and an orange on the same tree, and they're just kind of cycling, and it's just like a mass production of, of oranges. But it takes an absolutely perfect climate and the right tree and the right pruning process, but they can just continually put out oranges like they're going out of style. Now, an apple tree here in Boise is not going to produce apples all year round. In fact, if we started seeing apples in the middle of winter, something would be wrong. So there are seasons to fruit. Now, this is very important for those of us that are children of God. There's a season where you'll bear fruit. This doesn't mean that you can go, sweet, this is just a season where I'm not bearing fruit, so I don't have to worry about it. No. <laughs> there is a season. And here's the thing. Have you ever been in an orchard? Have you ever, has anyone ever been, been to a winery or an orchard or anything? Have you ever seen a, a tree? A, anyone seen a tree? Let me see your hands. Okay, well, it's good enough. Have you ever stood next? Let's say it's, you're just out in the middle of nowhere. You're out in the middle of nowhere, and you're standing next to a tree, and you know it's getting ready to blossom. Have you ever heard it just going, and then an apple pop? You ever seen that happen? Has anyone ever seen that happen? Please tell me you have. No. Why? Because they're, they're, it's, it's effortless. Because its foundation is it's meant to make apples. There's a process, there's watering, and there's pruning, and there's other things, but they're not working super hard. And that's the point here, is Jesus saying, look, the vine dresser, he's going to lift you up. He's going to prune, he's going to cut away, and you will bear fruit if you're my child. And so many of us work so hard. We're trying so hard to do all the right things. We've, we've got to go back to what does it mean to be a child of God and have the spirit of him inside of us. He is the one that is doing this. It's for his glory. He's the one that lives this out of us. Now, there's seasons for fruit, okay? There's seasons. Sometimes you, you're in a season where you're like, man, I'm not getting a lot of fruit. Well, you know what? Jesus might be just cutting away at you, hacking at those limbs that aren't connected to him. This is dead. We need this gone. This one produced one apple. Let's, 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 let's prune it back a little bit so we can get a little bit more out of this. For my glory, for my sake, for my kingdom work. There's also a, a, a thing called hydroponics where um, essentially it's a process of growing plants in sand or gravel or liquid with added nutrients without soil. So it's a, it's a creation of fruit in the middle of desert, which is, I thought, so Perfect, because if you are a child of God, you know what else we can say biblically is that you are an alien to this world. You are, this isn't home. Your home is, is his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, but this world is not home, and so you don't belong here. You're not, you're not a slave to the world anymore. You are a bond servant to the most high God. And so I thought, how perfect is that? It takes the work of Jesus in our lives to create a soil that's fertile enough in the dry, desolate trials of our lives so that we can bear fruit at times that make no sense. Jesus using something way more powerful than hydroponics to produce fruit. So that's why some of you, you can be in the most horrible season. You can be in the hardest part of life right now, but yet you can still see God's hand working in that. He's saying, it doesn't doesn't matter what the sand is here. I've got the power that's needed to create a ridiculous garden out of this dry, desolate place. In fact, that's the promise of Hosea, right? 
I will, take, I will create a vineyard out of this dry, desolate places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move. So there are seasons. That being said, some of us, we can be producing fruit year-round. We can be producing fruit while we're dealing with some really hard medical things. And it doesn't make sense, but every other doctor and every other person around you is going, you should be just in turmoil, and yet you have this peace that surpasses all understanding. That is fruit from the Spirit of God. You'll be going through some really difficult situation in your life, yet still see the presence of God in it. That is fruit from the Spirit of God. See, this is, this is how you can do this. Now, the flip side of that is there can be amazing things going on in your life, but yet you're still bearing fruit for his kingdom. The point is, is it's him doing it in you, you dying to yourself, emptying yourself so he can fill you. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8 says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. See, this is, this is it. When you focus on the work of the cross daily in your life, it's not that you just go hands off, I don't have to do anything. No, you start, you start leaning into the things that the Spirit is guiding you to. That's the whole, the rest of this vine dresser part is Jesus says, look, obey my commands. You show me you love me when you do that. You want to do that? You remain in my love this way. Your joy actually will be full and complete if you do this. And so we we continue to press into it, not just hands off making no effort, but our efforts are done with the Spirit's strength inside of us. And they're not so that we can be held up and say, wow, look at him and all that apples and fruit and awesome stuff that he's doing, but so that God could get much glory. This is Christ in our lives working through us as adopted children of God. If we, if we don't start there, we don't recognize that we have the power to overcome the sin and repent of that like that last week, and we don't understand why we're doing anything good. And so everything gets so convoluted and so confusing. What, what are we doing? How are we going? And we start slapping apples on trees that make no sense, hoping that we can just fake it. But if you are a child of God, then you will bear fruit. In fact, that's a promise from God. And that fruit can look not only like this, but like I said, there's so many other things. Why do you, why do you even love God? Because the Spirit of God inside of you is, is propelling you to love your Creator, your Lord, your Savior. You don't have to clothespin apples onto your tree. You just need to die yourself and let the Spirit of God continue to work through you. Press into his word. Press into the community he has you in and watch it happen. Now here's, here's the problem. Here's what's dangerous. If we don't, if we start making an effort for fruit, what ends up happening is we start having some bad apples. All right, we start having things like, here's the thing. If you, if you, 
you, you live in this world and you're spending all this time, you're like, man, I, I love this girl and therefore we're going to do whatever we want and we'll be married someday and who cares? You produce the fruit that which you are living. Does that make sense? Like you, you're going you're gonna to start seeing that. And some of you in here have, man, I know I know who Jesus is, but I'm struggling with, with porn or addiction or whatever it is. I, I can't seem to get rid of it. And we talked about the power that, to overcome that last week. But some of you, that is just ugly, nasty branches on you that need to be cut away. Now here's the thing, cutting away is painful. When you pull that out, when you call darkness into light and, and God starts cutting those things off, you're essentially naked and vulnerable and we don't like to be in that spot because it's lack of control. When Jesus is saying, he's like, no, no, no. The vine dresser knows where you're to be. He knows what he's supposed to be doing with you. And you're connected to me, the vine, and therefore we are going to produce immense fruit through you for God's glory. You're not going to produce fruit year-round. You may even at times feel like this has been the longest season ever of no fruit, but the point is this. If you're a child of God, fruit will come. He says that at the very, very end for us. He says that very end. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You will, you will, your life will show the world that you're his disciples. The fruit will come. Now, I want to acknowledge that some of you right now, you've, you're in a dark spot. You're like, man, I can't, I can't see which way's up right now. And I'm just like trying to keep one step and the other. And like the thought of even seeing fruit, like I'm only here because someone drugged me. Or I'm only here because I know I'm supposed to go to church. Or like you're just, you're just like empty. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Look, God may be pruning you so much right now that in the dead of winter, it makes no sense. Look like a lifeless, limbless, leafless, fruitless tree so that when the time is right, that spring comes and blossoms show up in ways that you never knew were possible and can take absolutely no glory for but give directly to your heavenly Father. So I'd say press in. Press into him. Press into the community. Press into the, to the repentance. Press into his word. Continue to seek him. In the middle of this scripture, which isn't, isn't necessarily the point, but it's really interesting, Jesus says when you're connected, oh, by the way, ask him anything. You're connected to me, ask him anything. He's, gonna be, he's got an ear. He's inclined, his, his ear is inclined to his children. Like Preston said, he delights in you even when you sin. Because you're a child of God. But to say that you're a child of God that will never, ever bear fruit, you've got to go back to start and not collect $200. Okay? You've got to go all the way back. Because you will bear fruit. The Spirit of God is inclined and ferociously desiring to do that in your life for God's glory. The band's going to come up and we're going we're to worship a little bit more. And move on. Next week, like I said, we're going to talk about some questions in this series. Um, my, my assumption is this, is that there's a, there's a number of you that are really like, I don't even know what fruit looks like in my life, or I'm not even sure how to, how to even begin in that step. Like, write those questions down. We may not be able to get to all of them next week, but we will, we will, we will press into those questions. Don't, 
don't assume because you're not seeing much fruit in your life right now that there's not a season coming with fruit. And then I also want to say, like, some of you, you're in a spot, man, where, like, you're just kind of on high. I mean, I'm seeing fruit. God's doing some awesome stuff. I, you know, got great hair, you know, whatever it may be. You're like, man, just life is going great. I would just encourage you, like, some of you, you're thinking, okay, I can go on cruise control. Like, everything's good. I don't, I don't need to do much. But every single vine dresser knows that no matter how great the branch is, there's always pruning that needs to be done so that more fruit can show up. Every, every, single, every single tree that's in, that's in healthy shape still needs some sculpting and work so that it can continue to do what it was intended to do so. Some of you are older and you're like, man, I'm wiser. Sorry, not older. Um, didn't want to be offensive. And you're like, I'm cruise control. Like, I did my time. I lifted the chairs, I served in the kids' ministry, I've done my time, and you just kind of sit back and go, all right, it's my turn to receive. I just encourage you, don't, don't believe that. Push in because, because some of the best fruit in your life can be at the times you least expect it. In fact, I would dare to say that the best fruit in our life is usually when we don't expect it, because it's usually proof that the Spirit of God is really, really alive and thriving in us. Just don't don't give up on the fact that God is desiring for you to produce fruit. That God has given you all you need to produce fruit in his son, Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit. And for those of you that continually run around with clothespins and hope to look like you got fruit, just stop it. <laughs> You're not fooling anyone but yourself and unfortunately some of the people around you that you really don't want to hurt. The character is already known by God. He's not confused. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the promise of fruit to come in our lives. Lord, may we be a people that, that are experiencing so much fruit of your labor, God, in our hearts that we can't do anything but sit back and just in awe thank you for the work you're doing. God, may we never fix our eyes on each other, but continue to fix our eyes on the prize. God, for those of us that continue to look at our life as two steps forward of what I did for you or one step backwards for my failures, God, would you just remove our eyes from the steps and fix them on your son, Jesus Christ? God, would we be a people that are just reeking of your fruit? an aroma that, that just does not, it just comes out of us. We can't hold it back. And may we just sit there and give you immense glory for it. Heavenly Father, for those that are in here that just have one small, pathetic little branch of fruit that dares out one little apple each year and they're starving because there's no actual production. God, you remind them that they, they are not too far from your grace. They are not out of your reach. And for those of us that continually hold on to these things in our life that are, that are causing the fruit to turn to be of this world, God, would you, would, you, would you help us to kill those lines, to release us of that sin so that we can thrive and live a life full of fruit? God, for those that are bearing incredible fruit right now and it's just life is going, may you be glorified in their lives. May they not get lazy or complacent, but may we continue to press in to your mission bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.